Hey, hey, everybody. Hi. Hi, Hi, pod world. What's up? Welcome to our Better Already podcast, where we try to make each other and you feel better already about living through a global pandemic. Frig. Just for example. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) We're better already now. There's no place I'd rather be than right here and now. Hello, good morning, late morning. Late morning, I know 10.31 a.m. This is just unbelievable. Kelly's in her happy place. Is she? Shannon's in her sad place. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hello, everyone out there. I'm so excited. I'm literally, if you could see me, holding on to the sides of my chair and bouncing my legs like a little kid. I'm really excited because we have a super amazing, wonderful guest today. Yeah. And I will, I'm will. i going to be very official, even though nothing that this person and I have ever done together has been professional or official. <laughs> I am so happy for Kelly and I to be introducing my wonderful, beautiful, one of my oldest friends, Ian Lynch. And I'm going to read his official biography because he worked freaking hard for this and he deserves to have it read out loud. Ian Lynch is a comedian, writer, and on-air personality. He won London's Funniest Person in his hometown of London, Ontario in 2006. From there, Ian went on to win Toronto's Comedy Brawl in 2009 and an iHeart Jokes Award in 2012. Ian has appeared on several television shows, including Video on Trial, New Music Live, and Sex with Sunny Megatron. He is best known... (laughs) Everybody's favorite. He is best known for his five seasons on MTV Canada's and Logo USA's One Girl, Five Gays. He is currently an on-air personality on Energy 95.3 and Fresh Radio with Chorus Entertainment. I am so happy to welcome you here. Ian, say hi. Hi. Thank you for reading exactly what I wrote. It's so, isn't it so strange to write your own bio about anything? It just feels so, like they ask for it all the time and I'm like, it's just a word doc, but it just, it always makes me cringe when I send it. But I guess that, that is my elevator pitch. Yes. So happy to, so happy to be here. I'm I'm a fan. As you know, I want a t-shirt and a mug, so I'm just thrilled. (laughs) We are so happy to have you here. And it's funny what you say that about the bios because Kelly and I are working on that. We're working on a website and we've been a guest on people's podcast and we will continue to, yeah, people ask and it's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. And for me and you, Ian, I'm not putting myself on the same pedestal as a professional comedian. But for people who naturally default to comedy, it's hard to be serious about yourself. Would you say? Oh, my goodness. Shannon, had you competed for London's Funniest Person in 2006, you would have kicked my ass. And I have no doubt about that. One of the best bios I ever saw was I was at a play. I think it was at like Second City. And everyone's writing their bios in the little pamphlet you Mm -hmm. get, you know, the bill. And this one woman just wrote a recipe for a chocolate cake because I think she was bored and she was just like, you know, preheat the oven. Like it was just, it was so funny because I just understand being so uncomfortable about talking about yourself. And I was like, that's great and useful. So. Well, I could, I just made a pie crust this morning before we came on. So I could just swap mine out really quick. Just pie crust. Yeah. Make that your bio. (laughs) But it is, it is honestly, let me just gush on you for one sec before we get into like the meat of it all. I I don't want to cry off the top, but Ian Lynch, let me just say publicly to our 
hundreds of thousands of listeners that you fucking did it. You did it. You set that goal when we were kids and you, for everyone, how many people told you no in your life? How many people told you get a backup plan? How many? Oh my God. I thought my name was no. It was just like, that's, that's how it is though. Like it's literally like, (laughs) I saw this meme and it was like, Amy Schumer said she wanted to be a comedian and everyone laughed. Well, no one's laughing now. And I was like, I don't know if that's the right way to write that, but yeah, basically. (laughs) Yeah, uh, no, it's true. Everyone is laughing and now I hope they're still laughing. So yeah, laughing for different reasons, honestly, but, (laughs) (laughs) but honestly, I think it's so hard from such a young age. I mean, at such a young age, you just literally said so many statements that take people decades of life to come around to. Would you agree? Yeah, but I just always felt that like, I felt that I didn't have, as a, as, as a young person, you know, the, the cards were kind of stacked against me in a lot of ways. Yeah, man. And I thought to myself, well, if if no one else is going to believe in me, then I'm going to believe in myself harder than anyone else. And that will be it. And so I remember one time I tried out for the school play five times at St. Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> go Flames! And uh, <laughs> Go Flames. And I made it to the last cut five okay. times. And I remember I didn't make the play. And I was like, and, I, and it just, it, it upset me because I was like, I think I had, I thought I had what it took to be in a school, high school play yeah. for God's sake. And I was like, okay. But then I still had all these dreams. And I was like, I remember, um, Driving in my Toyota Tercel. <laughs> you know that Tercel had one headlight. Oh, I think you came out to me in that car. I, I did. A lot of things happened in that car. My brother lost his virginity <laughs> in it um, the, in Ottawa. And I was driving and I was like having this real like, you know, teenager emo moment. And Amanda Marshall's Aww. I Believe in You came on. And I was like, that's it. I believe in me. And that was it. And that was like a moment that I was like, I'm just going to believe in myself so hard that no one and can touch me. like, hallelujah that you did because... <laughs> Honestly, I can't um, imagine you like being a bank teller or something like, oh my God. I'd probably have more money. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have some savings. <laughs> it's, oh my goodness. Canadian show business is so hilarious that way because it's so competitive and you fight so hard and you just work so hard and it's really funny. Yeah, it really is. It really is. It's odd that way. But yeah. My husband is a performer, music industry person, wildly wildly talented talented man. man. So my husband, though, on the point of theater, and I'm going to bring Kelly into this conversation in just a second, is um, him talking about, yeah, like how thankless it is to work in the Canadian music industry and Ian in the comedy industry, performance industry, Kelly in the theater industry. So he, I think it was 5440. I'll double check with him. I want to say 5440 or possibly Prairie Oyster. Sometimes I get those bands mixed up. Some big band that you would have heard on the radio a lot of times. And when they weren't touring, one of the people in the band, the drummer, the bass player, somebody stocked shelves at Sobeys. I think it was 5440 because I remember Sean telling me stories about that, but he's worked with everyone. So who, who knows? It wasn't Michael Bublé, I know um, that. But it was no. <laughs> it just boggles my mind because I don't think people understand. Kelly, for yourself, mm-hmm. all the th- accolades that you have, tell us about how that feels for you being a Canadian. And what would be different if you weren't Canadian? Like would it be different in America for for say, I don't know. Theater is I got it's like <laughs> the worst. I remember touring to school gyms, oh, you know, yeah. often you get you do TYA, theater for young audiences. And the number one question, like we'd have a Q&A at the end of some show that's about child poverty and is really beautiful and funny and delightful. And then one of the, do you have any like questions? And the number one question from kids was, do you get paid to do that? Yeah. <laughs> oh 
my goodness. Yeah. Do you get paid? We were always really wanted to educate the kids to let them know that, yes, like this is a paid profession. We do get paid. But the thing about theater, and I think it's probably the same for you, Ian, and we're really feeling it right now, is this this crazy thing of you can have amazing lead roles at the Stratford Festival. Like if you if you get a job, you want it to be in rep at the Shaw Festival or the Stratford Festival because it's like a six to eight month contract. And then there's no EI for those months off. People don't have a concept of how impossible it is financially to be an actor. And then once you have a family, it's even harder. So I think those things with the pandemic are really being reexamined because the other thing about the theater way of doing theater is they expect you to work. And I don't know what your hours are like, Ian, doing all the TV and web stuff, six days a week, 12 hours a day. That's the expectation when you're when you're rehearsing and teching or you're in rep. That is that has to change. And I feel like there's this sort of feeling among the theater community. Let's not go back mm-hmm. to that. There's so much wrong with it. And these things are being revealed right now. What's it like for you, Ian, working at home, getting to do that? Is it good or bad? Like, what's it been like for you? Oh, so much to say here. Um, Working from home is fantastic. And to go back on your point about it's really weird when you do something professionally that a lot of people do for fun. Exactly. That's my whole life. So a lot of people... It's like, it's, it's wild, right? So it's like what you, what I do professionally, other people will do just for free and for fun. And sometimes with comedy, we'll pay to get a spot mm-hmm. on a show. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times we're not treated in show business that well because the mentality from management a lot is, well, there's a lineup of people who want to do what you're doing, buddy. You know, so yeah. we, we kind of have this thing where we work ourselves sick, like you said, because we want to prove our worth. And for me personally, there was... So many moments, like when I was on MTV, One Girl, Five Gays, that show was massive in two countries, all over the world. People were writing me, fan letters from Nigeria, people saying, you know what? I've never met a gay person other than myself. And I feel like I have a friend in you and Aaliyah Jasmine. And it's just, it was so touching. And I do live shows at the Masonic Temple. There would be 5,000 fans in there and the whole streets would be packed of people trying to get in to see One Girl, Five Gays live. And the next morning at 10.30 a.m., I would be at Queen and Spadina sweeping cigarette butts off the patio at the Rivoli. That was my life. Like if I wanted to work and thank God, eventually I, you know, have a job. And what I liked about broadcasting and being on television, like a daily television show, like Much Music, and what I like about the radio being on 102.1, The Edge, Energy, and Fresh Radio is that I have a consistent paycheck. And certain things never never cease to thrill me. Like I got glasses and I was like, this is my green shield card. I had a massage the other day, cost me nothing. It sounds so dumb because other people no, have I had benefits it. their whole career. Yeah. Oh, I lose my mind. I'm so thrilled. I yeah. feel like I have a winning ticket. You should see me like an idiot at the gym. Fine, hurt myself because I can get a massage. You know, like, it's, I, Everything I do is like, I have orthotics right now because I can. And it's wild that we don't treat our talented Canadians really well. We're kind of like, well, you can kind of pay to work and then when you're not in a gig, well, that's your problem for a long time. And that's your stress. Like that's the mentality. This is the thing about the whole system. Like if you make money, you get benefits. If you don't make money, you have to pay for your dental work. I don't want to get all like, no, it's true. Anyway, I'm really glad for you to, to have that and have benefits and people, they don't understand the kind of weird agony of that. Being on stage in front of all those people and then the next day sweeping up at the Rivoli, 
I know that feeling. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's bad for your mental health. Like it can really mess with your mental health. Well, it's interesting. That's what I was going to say because also I I don't like to speak for my husband, but you know, I do spend a lot of time talking to him and mental health is very important in our family and it's often at the forefront of a lot of what's going on for us. And being a musician, being a comedian, being a theater actor, being the spouse of any of those people, which I have been, is, uh, you know, drugs, alcohol, all the things are always around you, right? It's part of the culture also, you know, go for a drink after this or go on tour and do this to fall asleep or whatever. The drugs aren't paid for, right? The actual drugs you need, the medicine drugs aren't paid for. So if you're living paycheck to paycheck or very scantily or you don't have the benefits, What's actually paying for your mental health? You can't afford therapy. You can't afford your anxiety medication. You can't afford any of – do you understand what I'm saying, sort of? We oh. we prioritize completely the wrong things. Shannon, I remember when you were first going to therapy and I couldn't afford it, like literally. Like I was yeah. so broke all the time trying to make my career happen that you would talk about therapy and I would be staring at you listening and taking it all in because I felt like I was going to get secondhand therapy <laughs> from you talking about it. Like I remember moments you said where you're like, you know what? My therapist told me that we don't have a good childhood or a bad childhood. We have a childhood and some moments are good and some moments are bad. And I was like, Ian, you better remember this <laughs> because this is worth $100 right now. So the, don't interrupt Shannon. Let her talk because <laughs> you're going to get some good from this. I totally agree. Like it was just so many, so many people, especially in show business, put their own health and mental health to the side because quite frankly, they can't afford it. Yeah. And that's fucked up because we love to say, oh, look at our theater community. Look at this rich cultural fabric of Stratford or downtown Toronto and all the people that we're, you know, grumbling, should I pay $10 to go to this or not? Are, you know, oh my gosh, just pay the $10, pay the $10, pay the $50. There's no safety net. And that's why I do feel like this universal income idea. I'm on EI right now because I I have like a jobby job, right? I've always had to have a jobby job while I'm acting less because I've got a kid now. It's just not absolutely not feasible as a single parent for me to, to do that. So I write more now, which is great. But right now, this thing of the pandemic and being on EI, I've been more productive, a more productive member of society hmm. because I've had this kind of 400 a week. And that's not a ton of money. Let's be honest. That's not, no, that's not no. a ton of money. It's not a ton of money. I mean, we're doing this podcast, right? And I like to think that we're putting something out there in the world that's helping people. And the theater project I'm doing, I would never be able to do. I would never be able to invest in all the conversations I've had with people over the age of 70 in the last three weeks to talk about how they're doing, Mm -hmm. you know? But anyway, enough about me. Here's my question for you two. (laughs) Can we give the audience a little bit more of a sense of how old you were, how you met? Like Shannon, I remember exactly where I was when I spoke to you for the first time. So (laughs) I'm scared. Shannon's a year younger than me. So I was in grade 10 and she was in grade nine. Shannon was this beautiful blonde girl and she had a beautiful brunette friend and it was very Betty and Veronica. (laughs) And they were... Everyone loved them and Shannon was very funny and everyone knew Shannon was funny. And Shannon had like this sense of humor that we know and love today at like 14. Like it's never like (laughs) Shannon's sense of humor has been on par the whole time. It never, it was never down. It was always up. Very, very funny. And Shannon had this amazing confidence to herself. Like I've never met a 14 year old who really didn't give a shit when anyone thought about her like Shannon did. Like it was, it was amazing. And Shannon's locker was on the first floor near the guidance council. Right beside. Right beside it. And (laughs) And I shared it with James Insel. 
Yes, who is actually on Canada's Drag Race as Jimbo. So this is a real moment here. We're having a Canadian celebrity moment, if I ever felt one. Ontario represent. He goes on to marry Sean Creamer. Wow. Like this this girl was going places. So I walked up to Shannon's locker and I said, hi. And Shannon had a picture of Mark Wahlberg in his white Calvin Klein briefs in the locker. And then she opened it up and she looked at me, pointed at Mark Wahlberg and said, this is Mark. You can call him God. <laughs> like, what could, like, she was just, Shannon was just, Shannon was just lightning. Like, it, she yeah. was just like that the whole time. Oh and it was just, God. it was super exciting to be friends with her because yeah. Shannon had this whole story that she was, um, I believe, you know, born in Brazil. Then she lived in New Jersey. It's not a story. It's true. No, no, but, but that's your life story. Like, <laughs> yeah. you're born in Brazil. You're in New Jersey for a bit, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you came to London. Like, what a weird last stop. But still, you know, like, it was <laughs> just going else, down. We're at the end of the line. <laughs> Shit stops here. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's the first memory of Shannon. And then Shannon has um, Shannon has a way of dancing that like there's. <laughs> When you, if you've ever seen someone dance and you know it's like pure joy, like you know when like, and I mean this because it looks good. It, it's going to sound like it doesn't look good, but <laughs> it doesn't look good. <laughs> you know when a kid is dancing and they're just happy and they don't care what they're doing. They're just moving because they like the sound of the music. Shannon danced like that, and that's how she won best dancer at St. Thomas Aquinas. So that's <gasps> no. how she won. Yeah, <laughs> and my my kids to this day don't believe that I won that <laughs> award because they've seen me dance the way Ian's describing. It's sometimes like people have called me Elaine from Seinfeld, like things it's, like that. It's pure joy is what it looks like. It's, it's great. I, I don't give a shit. I like it. And I dance almost every morning on my Instagram, my personal Instagram. Most mornings yeah, I do. You do. And yeah, that's right. people like it. I don't care. I people people write me and they say I was going to hit the snooze button but I knew if I opened my Instagram I would hear your song of the day or I would, you know, whatever, not to toot my own horn, but I think when you genuinely do something that makes you feel good, it makes other people feel good. There's no faking that. You know, like mm. there and I just play whatever song is in my head, whatever song comes on shuffle, it doesn't matter and so thank you Ian for sharing that. <laughs> and pleasure. I, I want to add to that because our podcast is about friendship, Kelly and I, at the core, really, as we evolve mm. through COVID, all these things. Really, what holds us together is friendship making you feel better already and having the people in your life that you can do these projects with and that you can call up when you're sad or broke or happy or whatever. And Ian, for me, is one of those people. So when Kelly and I were talking about who should we have on and who has interesting viewpoints... I immediately thought of Ian because A, he's one of the most creative people that I know, and B, I knew that he would do it. (laughs) (laughs) And when I met Ian, so this Betty and Veronica thing that he's talking about, this woman that I was friends with in high school was beautiful, like head turning beautiful. Would you say, Ian? Like, oh, yeah. Stop traffic, just the body, the hair, the the everything. She was. That's for you. Well, okay. Well, Thank you. But in in high school, she was – if you could pick a dream role to play, she she had it, right? And I always felt kind of like the foil to her, like pretty enough, cute enough, but funny was my thing. You could look at her, but then I would like entertain you. <laughs> but you could talk to Shannon, yeah. <laughs> and she was smart and funny too. They're, not to knock her personality, but really having people like Ian in my life Conversely, also felt special because Ian, 
I don't know if you would agree with this, but you were very popular. Would you agree with this? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So he's like, yes, I would. <laughs> well, because it's the truth. Yeah, it was the truth. And popular. You were twins. There was two of us. You could you could divide and conquer. It was easy. Ian was is a twin, right? Not was is a twin. <laughs> still am. Okay. So him and his okay. brother are still to this day friends with all the people that we were still friends with in high school. Like we existed in this weird magical time where everything clicked. We just had a lot of fun. Sure, there was definitely dramas and tears and people puking in bushes and all the high school things and people didn't get invited to parties, I'm sure, at certain points. But looking back, it was just pretty loving, would you say, Ian? It was. And honestly, like, truth be told, like, high school was supposed to be difficult. And of course, there was drama and there was stupidity and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm one of these idiots who had, like, a really good time in high school. A great time in high school. And I'm really, really blessed for that. And I know that's not the experience for a lot of people. And so I kind of feel very lucky for that. For for some reason, like that school had heart. Like there was something about it. Like everyone, like there there were a lot of good people at that school. And like, like you said, like I'm still friends with I have new friends as well. I haven't like I've nope, been he has four friends. That's no. it. Me, his twin brother, <laughs> his partner, and his dog. That's it. Yeah, exactly. They were really good people. And yeah, it was a great time. And like for them at the end of the day, I always look back on high school with a big smile. So I'm super lucky. Yeah, we we were very lucky. And and so yeah, that's kind of how we met. Does that answer your question, Kelly? Yeah. So your first memory of Ian is the same one? I think I knew who Ian was before he spoke to us because he was a year older, right? So he was like, cool. He definitely made his mark in the school, him and his brother. And I, people don't believe this, but I don't see myself as that pretty or that cool in any way. Uh, Like I really, truly don't. So I always assumed everyone was talking to me either because of my really pretty best friend or because of who my boyfriend was at the time or now because of who my husband is. I've always kind of felt like a tag along in a lot of ways. So I always assumed that's why people were talking to me. So I don't really remember the encounter that Ian's talking about, but I think I what I remember is when I finally made it to the place in Ian's life where the two of us were friends enough to just yeah. hang out the two of us. Yeah, yeah. I always felt really special in Ian's presence. Like I always, oh, I geez. always knew that being friends with Ian was yeah. special and that just like he said, like that story he said of listening to me talk, he listens to you talk. He, he, he remembers mm. if you tell him something six months later, he will ask you about it. To be honest, my memory, it's a blessing and a curse. Like I literally can remember everything and it's bad. Like I can remember like basically conversations that went on in high school and like everything everyone said. Mm. But then sometimes if like you ask me my postal code really quick, like I just be like, uh, <laughs> give me a sec. So yeah, so that's that's sort of it. And and we just managed to stay in touch over the years. And I am a comedy fan. I love comedy. I love comedy shows. I love comedians. I just am really into that world. I think in Mm -hmm. another life, another world, another time, I would be a comedian. Not this one. Don't even bother saying it. That's not what I want. But I support comedians. And my husband always says comedy is actually, in our opinion, the hardest performance art because you literally have Mm -hmm. nothing, just yourself. (laughs) And when you tour, it's just yourself. There's no band. There's no production. It's just you. And it's so brave because it often you're making light or making comedy out of the darkest moments of your life. I think that's where really good comedy comes from. And Ian is particularly gifted at that. Quick plug for your newest comedy album. Can you tell us where Mm -hmm. people can find that? Oh, yeah. You can find it on Spotify and all those great places. It's called uh, Dare to Dream. And then I'm I'm Ian Lynch. I don't even... uh, Comedy albums are weird, though, because like people don't listen to it 
often, right? Like it's just like people listen. It's always I forget that I have a comedy album sometimes. Well, but yeah, I do have one. Very funny. It's not for children, but no. um, <laughs> I was also at that recording. And you can hear me laughing if you. I, I did. I can hear you. If laughing. you hear me, if you know my cackle <laughs> from the podcast. So I just Great. also what I'm saying is I love supporting art too. So the fact that Ian always had something to invite me to really helped our friendship sustain over the years because maybe we hadn't talked in a while. But if he invited me to something, I would go to it, and then I would get a chance mm. to see him for the most part. So. Um, yeah, that's sort of that's sort of that aspect of it, I guess. Shannon, I bet you've got stuff on your list you want to. I do. Okay. So I hundred percent, I hundred percent want to because Kelly and I always ask people this: if you can tell us, encapsulate for us where you were. What's your first COVID memory? Like what? What's your first take of the pandemic? Oh, okay. So. On top of working for the radio, I'm also a spokesperson for the Canadian Kennel Club. So I do, I write blogs for the Canadian Kennel Club. And I also go to New York uh, to report Canadian wins for the Westminster Kennel Club dog show. If you've ever seen the show, best the movie Best in Show, yeah. that is not a comedy. That's a documentary. That's literally, that's, <laughs> and the Mayflower dog show is based on Westminster. So it's this big, huge dog show, the best of the best in New York City. So people come from around the world, but it's mostly Canadians and Americans and they have this big dog show. So I report on it. So I was in Manhattan doing my yearly, you know, five, six days in New York covering the dog show. What a dream. Side note, what a dream. It's a great little gig. I'm super blessed. So I go in and everyone keeps asking in the airport if I've been to China. And it just seemed odd. Like every stop, it was almost like, have you ever been up the CN Tower? And there's like every four feet, there's an employee being like, turn right here. It was like that. Like it was, <laughs> it was nonstop. Like, have you been to China? Do you have a fever? And I kept asking. I was like, no, 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 what's happening? And because of working in broadcasting, I knew there was a, I thought it was kind of like, you know, we always hear kind of like, big news things like um bird flu i thought i, I didn't yeah. know what it was Swine right? I thought flu. It was some, yeah we've been yeah. through some flus yeah yeah so i, was, I thought it, that it was basically that and so everywhere I, I go they're asking in the airport they're asking this and when i came back the same thing and when i was in manhattan i noticed that a lot of the tourists from asian countries were wearing like tour buses full of people were wearing masks and remember back then it was like shocking to yes. see someone with a mask yes. so I remember seeing it and my mom, who's paranoid about everything, sent me with Lysol wipes and she was like, when you get to the hotel, make sure you Aww. hotel room, wipe down everything. But that was like, that's normal for her, right? So I literally was just like rolling my eyes, right? She knew. She knew. So I was like, that was, so there was, that, that's my first memory of COVID and then things just progressively got worse from there. So when was this? Was this early March you were in New York? No, this was always mid-February. So the family day long weekend. Right. And then you came home to London. You've been living in London for a while. And when did they like tell you to start working at home or, you know, did you, was your job career impacted at all? And then what has, how has it impacted comedy? Well, it has, I mean, luckily for me, my career was never hurt. And I know how lucky I am for that. Basically my boss came in one day and he's this funny guy. And he was like, Lynch, Trudeau's making an announcement. If you want to go to the beer store and grab some cases before they shut it all down, you can. And I was like, thank you, sir. And I, I literally, you like know, when you're like, other Canadian. Yeah, exactly. I was like, <laughs> you know, to the you know, liquor store. That, yeah, remember, that was a real concern in those days. Was, oh, yeah. I was, I, I, I bought five cases of Bud Light. And then on the way home, bought another one. Yeah. I, I, I literally stopped at another one to not look so bad. And you know when you're walking to your car, but like it's more of a run, like your knees start to bend at one point. Yes. Like it was that fast of a walk. And then as it turned out, <laughs> that didn't happen. But that was my memory. My boss was like, if you want to leave now and go grab some beer, you can do that. And I was like, 
Yes. Compassionate boss. Yeah. And then one of my other memories was that I took my grandma to get a haircut on March 3rd of last year. I remember this because for a long time I hadn't seen her. It was like, I remember saying like last summer, I haven't seen my grandma since March 3rd, but I took her to get a haircut and she was like, we're going to get locked down because of coronavirus. And I was like, no, we're not like, just like, you know, like, yeah, it was just like, so it wasn't real. And it was so weird because like, I look back a lot, like now it's, it's early April, 2021. And it's weird because this time last year, I could look to the future and see a normal life. And I know it sounds so depressing, but like I look to the future now and like hope for orange zone. Yeah. I don't even think Toronto's ever been in orange. <laughs> oh my gosh. Orange zone. I hate to say it because I'm like, I'm bragging here, but like we're all on a lockdown right now. But orange zone, because we had been so restricted for so long, orange zone feels like a lot of freedom. You can go to the gym if you make an appointment. You can go to a bar if you sit at the right spot and there's a capacity. Oh, like No, I've, we've never had that here. Toronto's never been orange. We got to red for six days. Oh my God. It's, I, and especially because of being you know, a comic, an actor, whatever, I, I, a personality. So many of my friends and my soulmates are bartenders and mm-hmm. and oh, restaurant Same. owners. And so many people my age who got to their like late 30s and finally invested in a business for themselves to be their yes. own boss are stuck like just not knowing what to do. And also like you can't even sell a restaurant. Nobody wants to buy a restaurant right now. Oh God, no. Like what what, what on earth can you- You can just walk away. What? All you can do yeah. is walk away. And that sounds so horrible and depressing. And I think about it all the time because I at one point had three hospitality businesses. And they were great and successful. And I'm just, as your friend, so I just think like through some lucky star, you got out at the right- at the time. And it just, and it's like the way I feel about moving to London. Like I bought a house. I worked really hard and I bought a house last January. Like how on earth, not even just the investment of money of just being like, you know, I have multiple rooms. I lived with two dogs and many times a boyfriend in a 300 square foot Liberty village bachelor apartment. How on earth, like I go into different rooms now. I'm like, it just fascinates me. And (laughs) I would be for for, for saying a part about COVID and I would be, I would, I would hate to have done this podcast and not mention that my grandfather did pass of COVID last Easter Sunday. Yeah, I'm so sorry. And it was, yeah, that was a real, like, especially the going from like a month, thank you. And going, going from a month on March 3rd, when I was talking to my grandma about nothing's going to happen to literally five weeks later, her husband dying of it. It's wild. And, and in, a, in a way, like my grandfather was sick with a lot of other conditions as well. And he didn't really know what was happening, which was really kind of peaceful. And there was a wonderful nurse named Trish, God bless her, who like, FaceTime the whole family. Like she got in there and FaceTime so we could all say goodbye. Like it was like, there were some people who really showed Mm -hmm. incredible compassion during this really scary time. And the truth is like, I think back and I'm all like, I couldn't imagine trying to tell my grandfather who was like me and my twin brother. Like he was so, he's a social guy Mm -hmm. and he was a, he was an MC and a dart player and all these great things. And he was out all the time and he was so social in his home and everything that I couldn't imagine trying to tell someone with his level of dementia that he has to stay in a room. Like it just, it it would be so cruel. It's cruel. It would be really cruel. So in a way, I'm happy that he's in a better place now and didn't have to deal with this year. My my grandmother is 93 and completely with it. So she understands like the rules and everything. So, yeah. and of course she's vaccinated, but yeah, it just, I couldn't imagine trying to, it would be so difficult to take a man at that age with dementia and try and keep him by himself. He would think you're punishing him and it would be really, really sad. So it all kind of worked out in that way, I guess. My grandpa died right before COVID, late January, early February last year was like his end of life. We say all the time as a family, how grateful we are that he passed away right before the shit hit the fan because, you know, Roman Catholic to the core, getting your last rites, the family being around you. Like that's part of how you envision your life story ending. 
you know, like when yeah, you're hardcore you Catholic, Ian and I, side note, met at Catholic school, <laughs> that's part of how you envision it. So COVID would have ripped all that away from him for sure. No. And, and true. And had, did you, I, I guess you were lucky in a sense that although it's terribly sad to lose your grandfather, you got to have a celebration of life, right? Like, yes, exactly. And we haven't yet. And that's the other part, having a mass, having your family come like, so he was from a huge, you know, Quebecois, 1920s depression family, like big, big family, cousins, aunts, uncles. So we know whenever any of the elders of the family die, the family sends representatives. So he, all his siblings, like a few children from each pile come. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's like you're paying your respects, very old fashioned kind of way, but all that happened and he, he got to have it the way he definitely would have envisioned it, living his whole life that way. So yes, and funerals are partly for the people that live on, right? And all the people that have been passed away throughout this past year. So we talk so much about weddings, truthfully, like COVID weddings and all that. I think the funerals are worse, to be honest. It's difficult because even my grandmother who lived in a home with him and uh, they lived on separate floors because a lot of times when a couple go into a home together, especially if one of them has dementia, yeah. they lean on each other too much. So it doesn't like, he would want like my grandma to help him with everything. So he lived on a different floor. And she even said to me a week ago, she said, Ian, we haven't had a funeral for, she called him Jerry, my, my grandfather. We had a funeral for Jerry. She's like, and I think he's downstairs a lot of times. I just, because- He had no closure. There wasn't the, there, there was no closure. Yeah. There was literally my grandfather, like, and even in my head sometimes, I just picture him at the home on a different floor. Like it's, yeah. it's hard because like, as much as it is hard to grieve, it is so so healthy to have a celebration of life or a gathering or even mm -hmm. a meal with people to talk about someone's life. And he would have really liked that. And, and that's, I think a lot of times, like, even though the living have been robbed from a lot yeah. from COVID, I believe also that there's, you know, a lot of people have, uh, even the dead have, totally. have, you know, have not been able to get the respects paid to them. So it's, it's sad on that front And as, as well. you're talking to like, okay, so we have the Catholic thread, also the Irish thread. Ian, Ian and I are both from Catholic family, Irish Catholic families. And that's a big part of it too. Having a big like piss up, having some drinks, you know? Oh like, my gosh. I've had more fun at some funerals than some weddings. I, I tell you, like things have gotten inappropriate. <laughs> so amazing. I'm sure we're getting close to our time. So what we always do, Ian, and I know you listen and you're so fucking amazing for listening and telling us that you like it and it means so much, you know, as a, when you put out something creative in the world, like having people tell you that it's good means a lot. So thank you for that. Well, you know, I bought a black roots tracksuit <laughs> because of you guys. I listened and I said, you know what? These sweatpants aren't showing off my best self <laughs> to the outlet we go, which is not far away from here at my house. And I bought a all black roots Tracks and how good do you, you feel? How good do you feel? <laughs> Give me money, it says. That's what it looks yeah. like. That's what I look like. It says, I said, I attract great things because I have this great tracksuit. You're like, listen, so, I fucking am wearing sweatpants, but they're nice sweatpants. Okay. Like, I care. Yeah. They're sweatpants that say, I care. <laughs> Head turning sweatpants. <laughs> so, you know that every week we do sweet and sours. So, we haven't heard from Kelly in a while. Kelly, do you want to kick us off with a sweet and or a sour or a sweetie sour? Hello? Did we lose Kelly? I thought I hadn't heard Kelly in a while, and I was like, she is a great listener. You know what? I actually, <laughs> oh, no. I was wondering why you guys weren't letting me talk. I had my mute button on. You were on mute! 
What? Oh my god. Because my Mac laptop fan was going berserk. Oh, I had to no. like I had to rearrange my whole like tapestry office and get it out of here. So when you were talking, I was like, yeah, like rituals have been ripped from us. I was going, why aren't they letting me talk? We couldn't hear you, <laughs> Kelly. I was oh, thinking like, Kelly, where is she? Oh no, no, Kelly, I literally was thinking like, wow, she's an incredible listener, but this is also oh, her no, podcast. No. She needs to say something. Oh no. Okay, whatever. You two are the fastest talkers I've ever heard in my life. I'm like, whoa, they're ripping. But I was gonna say I'd love to hear Ian's sweet and sours because he's our guest and he's yes. okay. the most imp- important person today on the podcast. Oh. So do you mind if my sweet and sour is kind of silly and stupid? Do you mind if I No, please, please. Please. Okay, okay. So I'm super thrilled to be doing a sweet and sour with you guys. And mine is so ridiculous. I love all animals and I'm very, very like, I'm, I'm fascinated by them. I have three dogs, a pet bird. I f- offer five different types of seed in my yard to the wild birds. So I just love all animals. And I got it in my silly little head that I needed to attract blue jays to my yard. I wanted blue They're jays. I wanted to see blue jays. Yeah. They're beautiful. Every time you see one, you're like, wow, it's a blue jay. So I research it and find out what they like. They like sunflower seeds and especially peanuts in the shell. So I go to the store, get them name brand planters <laughs> in the shell. You should see me with my little flip-flops running out there in the middle of the night. I work from home and I look out this window. So I put little peanuts in shells all over the fence, all on top of the shed, you name it. And eventually the blue jays start coming. And the extra sweet to this was they made a nest in my big evergreen. And I'm thinking, wow, Ian, you did it. Here comes the sour. Uh Have you ever heard the sound of a blue jay? No. Oh, horrendous. Oh, no. (laughs) Horrendous. All day long now, I have this headache. That's right. (laughs) They're horrendous. I'm all like, what was... Be careful what you wish for, is all I'm saying. Because I... I was so excited that the Blue Jays mated, have a nest in my evergreen, and now they can't get away quick enough. I'm literally like, I mean, I'll still give them peanuts because I'm not cruel, but like, I'm like, I don't know what I got myself into. All I can hear is Blue Jays screaming outside my window now. It's so funny. Oh my God. But yeah, be careful what you wish for. That is absolutely <laughs> hilarious and the most Ian Lynch thing I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> oh, oh, that's, oh, well, let me just say Ian, because I was, tr- I was trying to say it earlier, but I was on mute and I didn't know it. <laughs> We're so was- sorry. Sorry, Kelly. And that's also the very Ian and Shannon thing to just be like, forget it and keep going. <laughs> Something seems wrong. The floor is ours. Plow ahead, Ian. No, I did. I was wanting to offer my condolences because oh. was I, did you hear any of that? When no. I was, no. Okay. Well, my, my bitch, deepest bitch. Condo- <laughs> no, I was like, I was trying to go. It's not funny. I'm so sorry that that happened and that you lost him. And oh, thank you very much. That's yeah. so kind. Um, so do you have anything else you want to like say, add anything, Ian, anyone, anything you want to plug, anything you want us to like, any social media you want us to visit? No, you can catch me everywhere at I am Ian Lynch. If you want to see what I look like, that's what I say on the radio all the time. He's but, gorgeous. Like, oh, gorgeous. Be careful for. Gorgeous. Ian, <laughs> I could literally talk to you for a hundred hours. I feel the same way about you too. Oh, and I love you and I miss mm. you and your brother. If We would be remiss if we don't say hi to Nolan as well. Absolutely. I miss you both so much. And I honestly just thank you from the bottom of my heart for always being so supportive. Yeah, you're such a supportive friend. My pleasure. And thank you for being just the same. True. Okay. Well, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's our new thing. We do Cardi B's. Okay. Ian, give us a Cardi B. 
Of course, he does it better than us. Uh, okay, oh. thank you, everybody. Thank you, Pod World, for listening. You know you can find us uh, better already podcast at gmail.com. You can email us your sweets and sours. Should you choose to remain anonymous or not, we can read them and share them with the world because sharing is caring and it helps everyone <laughs> feel better already. Love you. Yeah. Love you. Bye. 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 Okay. Uh, oh, wait. I want to do something. Okay. Okay. Just give me a sec here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just kidding, you guys. I'm just feeling it I was like, wow, he knows her job. <laughs> I cut some of those in, though, I can guarantee you, because it sounded so weird. Yeah. I was like, where did she go?